Hello and welcome to the Senior Care Growth Show, where senior living sales and marketing leaders go to grow. I'm your host, Rick Whittington, and today on episode 22 of the Senior Care Growth Show, we are going to be talking to Annie Harmon. Annie is the head of strategic consulting, healthcare, and life sciences at reputation.com. Our conversation today is particularly relevant because many of you are finding it more difficult than normal to do sales and business development in light of the COVID-19 virus. More than ever, people are going online to do their research. The self-service economy is definitely alive and well today, and we are going to be talking about how to manage your reputation on platforms like Google My Business, Facebook, and others. We spend a lot of time today diving in on ratings and reviews and why they are important to your community. We also talk about how to get them, who you should be asking for ratings and reviews, and we even touch on negative reviews and what you should do about those. I'm sure you'll enjoy today's conversation with Annie Harmon. I am the head of consulting for Reputation.com. We are a reputation experience management company, and we help uh, companies, um, in particular senior living is is a very large uh, portion of our clients. We help them get found, get chosen, and get better as a as a business. And um, you know, it all starts online. And so, I would uh, love to share more about that with you today. Absolutely. I also saw, you know, from your LinkedIn profile that you spent over four years at Ascension. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that position and what you did while you were there? And how did that lead into your position at Reputation.com? Sure. Well, even before um, Ascension, I was uh, I was working for a regional health center and uh, and then I was in pharma for a while and uh, and then moved into the the provider side of care and Ascension is a an integrated delivery network they do um, everything from you know urgent care home care acute care ambulatory you know a large provider network and and also senior living and so I became very familiar with the challenges that we face in healthcare today, and and it, it gave me a great basis for helping other clients and and helping them with their challenges as as they look to operate in this this transforming world and and very rapidly in recent months. Very good. So um, you and I talked, we connected a few weeks ago, and uh, we talked about how there's been a shift in customer decision making. And that happened, that was happening long before even the pandemic. Um, Tell me what's changed. What's changed today? And what do communities need to be thinking about as they think about how customers are making those decisions about communities? Yeah, you know, it's interesting to see what has changed so much about senior care and the way that that care is accessed, the way that those programs are run. And I think um, that the biggest shift has been this idea of a very high touch industry, you know, very high touch, very empathetic, very much uh, caring for humans, and then to a no touch situation. And, you know, physically, you know, we can't be more than six feet uh, close to each other. We have all of this protective gear. And, you know, how does that impact the, the senior living industry? And you know, it's everything from 
the ability to actually care for the individuals themselves, the residents who are who are there having a, a an experience with your brand, but also how do you share that brand experience externally when you can't uh, really have uh, visitors in your building? You know, you, you don't want a bunch of prospective uh, families and, and residents coming in, taking tours, um, you know, depending on the type of care you're providing, you may need to sort of isolate uh, that aspect of it or even move to a more virtual um, uh, tour environment. And we're seeing a lot of that with our with our clients and, and that they're trying to bring that experience that, that used to be very much an experience that in order to share that with the outside world, they needed to bring people into their buildings, and with uh, with the change of you know, trying to uh, protect residents and protect others, you know, visitors and staff, that they've shifted to this virtual experience and virtual ways of getting that experience to to their external audiences in order to bring in more uh, more residents. So it's been a very challenging time for our clients, but it's also been a time of really rapid innovation. And we're seeing brands doing things that uh, they they should have done probably a long time ago, but this has really forced forced them to do that. Yeah, I guess there's nothing like a crisis to inspire some innovation at companies. And, uh, you know, I, I know that eventually we'll have a vaccine for COVID and it'll probably become a little, at least a little less um, prevalent, at least in the, in the short term. Um, do you think that, do you think that COVID, once we get that under control, do you think there will be a shift back to that high touch type of environment? Or do you think it'll be a case where people are using the internet more and more and more to research and find a community? Yeah, I think that that it, you know, to me, I don't see us going back to the former methods. I think that this has opened a lot of eyes to the the way that consumers want to receive information, the way that they want to receive care, uh, the way that they want to experience a brand. And if I can get that brand experience by looking at your Google My Business listing or going to your website and reviewing your locations or um, looking at a, a tour online that's a video that you've posted, uh, you know, why would I why would I want to go through the hassle of scheduling and calling to schedule an appointment and then showing up for the appointment and then it's taking out uh, all of this these uh, parts of my day when I can do my research online and narrow down those decisions and and really create much more of a, a mobile uh, decision-making uh, experience for myself. And, and I think that's what consumers are, are demanding now. And it's what uh, we as, as providers of that care need to keep in mind as we move forward. How do we make it as frictionless as possible? How do we make it as, as uh, simple as possible for them to make that decision? And it starts by meeting them where they are. And they're going to be online and they're going to be mobile. They're not always going to be in your building. Yeah, that's a great point. A great point there. Um, you know, one thing I think we've learned this year is that getting found online is absolutely critical because in a lot of cases, um, you know, that's how people are looking even before COVID, but definitely now. Um, how does Google take rankings and ratings and reviews and things like that uh, into account as they display search results? 
Yeah, that's a, it's been a very fascinating thing to see that the way that consumers uh, shop has really become the way that they make decisions about everything, including the care that where they want to take a loved one or even the care that they get for themselves at a, at a physician or um, an urgent care. And so what we're seeing is that the ratings and reviews play a more and more important role in getting found because Google is weighting those uh, reviews and ratings in a heavier way than they were years ago. And so in order to be found, you've got to have not only positive reviews, but also lots of reviews. You have to have a, a good volume of reviews. That number of reviews has to be significant enough that Google says, okay, you know, this is, this is probably um, a worthy, uh, you know, significant uh, number here. And then um, they have to be recent reviews. And that's really important now more than ever, because what we have seen and, and um, the research indicates that always it's been the case that consumers want to see recent experiences with a brand. But now what we're seeing is consumers recognize that the experience of a brand is completely different now. And anything that uh, that happened in, let's say, pre-March is going to be irrelevant. And so if someone has a, a positive review about something, well, a lot's changed since then. So they want to see new reviews. They want to see um, a good spread of reviews. And um, and that's how Google is factoring all of those things into how you rank and the order that you rank for those uh, particular keywords where you're trying to be found. Yeah. So what you're saying there is if my community already has several ratings and reviews, I should be concerned with getting new ones. Um, is it so is it just the is it the number of reviews and ratings that matter? Is it the recency? Tell me how, tell me a little bit about that, a little bit more about that. Sure. We factor everything together in a proprietary algorithm using a metric that we refer to as reputation score. And what goes into that score are things that uh, Google and other listings providers are, are factoring into the way that you are found. And so there are things like um, sentiment, you know, are, is there a positive sentiment around the comments that are being made? And we use a natural language processing um, AI to, to understand, is this a positive? Is this a negative? Is it neutral? Um, the other thing that goes into that is, like I said, the volume of reviews, the number of reviews that are out there uh, for that listing and um, the rating itself. So if you've got uh, four stars versus two stars, and, and then how, how recent those were. The other thing that comes into play is the response rate. So we want to see, as, as consumers, we want to see that a brand is, it, it cares about what we are saying. And so when you see a lot of reviews that are posted for a business and there's no response, it's like, is the business even paying attention? Do, you know, do they have someone who's, who even cares about these things? Or you know, think about... Um, Q&A. There's a, a whole Q&A section for Google My Business. And a Q&A section is really helpful for providing answers to questions. Even if you're seeding those questions yourself as the brand, you can post common questions in there and then answer them so that when a consumer comes along, they see that and, and can understand from that. So the completeness of, of that profile, you know, all of the data is there, 
the contact information, the Q&A, the ratings and reviews, all of that is, is comes together to give you your, your overall score and to determine how you're going to stack up against your competitors and stack up not just in terms of the, the sentiment around your brand, but, but literally stack up in the rankings on Google. Yeah, we've talked here on the podcast before about Google My Business, and I just want to clarify for our listeners. So when we talk about managing ratings and reviews, that is done on Google through Google My Business. So we've talked about how important Google My Business is, and um, can you tell us or, or give us some tips on how to improve a community's Google My Business profile? Absolutely. So um, one of the things that that I think is the most important, and we we do this to support our clients as well, is this idea that you can't just set it and forget it. This is a, a an area that has to be nurtured, and it's it's similar to the way that you think about your website. And uh, I remember a, a few weeks back, you you indicated on your podcast that you're going to invest in your website. It's going to be an ongoing thing. You don't just build a website and then, you know, that's it permanently. And so we look at Google My Business as uh, another entry point. And in many cases, it's becoming a more highly trafficked entry point than, than your website can be, or maybe it's the entry point into your website. And so it's a, an area that you have to nurture on an ongoing basis. You can put out posts, which are custom pieces of content, similar to a social media type of uh, platform. Google wants to be where, where you go for all of that updated information. Any changes to you know, visitor policies or um, location offerings, you want to list all your amenities. What type of a facility is it? You know, are you doing long-term care? Are you doing rehab? Do you have memory care? All of those different areas of um of care that, you know, as a consumer, I'm going to be searching for those terms. And then one of the single most important things that you can do is ensure that your photography and your video content is really good. And you can invest all the money in the world in having beautiful photos of, of your building and great testimonial videos and, and post all of that, and then get completely blown away by what you see on Google My Business as either user-generated content, you know, someone takes a picture in the parking lot and posts that up and then that becomes your, your you know, the first impression of your brand. Or even worse, what we've seen is, um, and a really, really good example of this is, is the dumpster photo. So, you know, time and time again, we see our clients where the, um, you know, the Google Maps uh, car goes through and it's just, you know, taking photos as it goes. And if at that moment that it is geo-targeted to your location and maybe it was trash day, or maybe it's behind your building in an alley, or, you know, maybe there was uh, you know, something happening out front construction or something that then becomes the photo that gets put onto your Google, my business listing. And if you're not nurturing that listing, if you're not constantly checking in, making sure that um, the photos are good, approving any changes that the public might suggest, that's going to end up being, being a problem for you. And, um, you know, senior living facilities, especially beautiful facilities, you know, you've got the, the entrance usually has some sort of 
roses or azaleas or, you know, beautiful uh, uh, photos of the landscape of where a loved one is going to live. And then contrast that with you know, something that a, a robot takes and then ends up as your, as your homepage of Google My Business. That's, that's not the impression you want to give. So it's not a set it and forget it. It's not something that you can um, do once and then, and then you know, figure that it's, it's all cleaned up now. You want to keep updating information, keep uh, requesting reviews, and keep putting really good photos out there. Yes, yeah, so much to unpack right there. I think, you know, you mentioned set it and forget it. And that is something that we definitely see on a, on a regular basis where someone says, well, you need to be on Google My Business. And they just check, the, check it off the list. And, you know, the address is there. Maybe a photo or two are there and that's it. Um, you mentioned photography. You mentioned ratings and reviews, listing events, uh, listing other kinds of updates from the community itself. How can communities take the lead in managing not only the feedback, but their profile so they're portrayed positively online? Yeah, uh, one of the, the biggest challenges, especially for brands that have multiple locations, and you know, as we've seen with you know, a lot of mergers and acquisitions in recent years, um, in the senior care industry, there is a lot of that you know, managing at scale that has to be done. And if you can imagine as a, as a marketer or a, uh, a sales development person to have to go out and manage dozens or hundreds of locations is uh, it's just not doable. You can't. I mean, you, you'd have you'd be you'd be on your uh, computer all day. You'd never have time to recruit new residents. And so what um, what we recommend is that you set up uh, essentially a, a three pronged approach to your management of those facilities. So the first piece of it is creating a source of truth for that data. So the directory of all your locations and, you know, whether it's our tool that you're using, you know, with, with our landing pages and all of that, or if it's something that's, you know, homegrown or on your website, would, wherever that data lives, we want to make sure that that data is then reflected in all the other places across the web. And it's not just Google My Business, but it's other places, you know, these, these care sites that have you know, other listings you can search. There are, um, you know, the, the uh, business listing sites that are out there, you know, dozens of these. And so we look at the source of truth as the foundation for this three-pronged approach. So that's the first piece is the source of truth for your data. The second piece of that is, um, is the, the automation. So once you have that source of truth, you want to make sure that whatever you're putting out there, you only have to do once, one at a time. You know? So yeah, you're going to have to do ongoing updates. But when you have to change an address or a photo or a, a, a video or a phone number, you have to post that phone number in one place. You don't have to go to Google and change it there and then go to Facebook and change it there. And also you need to do it on your website and also on Caradash and also, on, you know, there's all of these sites that you would have to go and you'd have to have logins for all of the sites. You'd have to have listings for every single location. And then to change that phone number becomes a 30 step process instead of, instead of maybe two steps. And so what, what we do is we automate that. And so the source of truth is then feeding all of those other aggregator sites. So 
so that when a consumer is searching and you get 10 results on Google, if only one of those is your website, those other nine better be results that reflect the same data that's on your website. And then that way you control the entire first page of Google. And then the third piece of this is the ratings and reviews. You've got to request reviews. You uh, have to be continually collecting that feedback. And it's not just about you know, making sure that your SEO improves because you've got a lot of ratings and reviews out there. It's also about just operationally uh, improving. You want to get all of that feedback data and be able to analyze it and look at the sentiment across the board. Look at different uh, areas that, that could be improved. You know, maybe parking's an issue. Maybe um, there is uh, an issue with, um, with a particular location where there's uh, not a good um, you know, reception staff. Whatever the case may be, you want to be able to identify that. And the way to do that is by collecting that feedback, analyzing it on the back end in a dashboard, and then, um, and then using that to improve. And what we've seen is, um, you know, clients will look at that and say, oh, you know, there's something going on here at this location. They, they used to be doing really well in this and they were green, but now they're starting to get into the red area for, you know, staff sentiment or something like that. And then they'll reach out to that facility to be, you know, whether it's the, the local manager or maybe there's a regional director and they'll say, hey, what's going on here? We're, this is the kind of feedback we're getting. Can you look into that? And then they can improve their operations as a result of the feedback that they're getting and then improve the feedback that they're going to get next time. So it's those three things. It's the source of truth, the automation, and the ratings and reviews that are going to give you the best um, search experience and, and really that front line of the consumer conversion into your facilities. Such great information right there. Uh, I hope everyone is taking notes on that because, um, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, these listings, the name, address, the phone number, uh, they're, they're not just for SEO purposes. Um, having those profiles are not just for SEO purposes. You can also find out feedback that's going to help you improve your operations and improve those different locations that you operate in. So those are, you know, definitely, definitely a lot of great information there. Um, what other sites, we've talked a lot about Google My Business, what other sites should senior living communities and companies think about listing their business on? Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And, um, and so the reason that we focus so much on Google My Business is that between Google My Business, your own website, and, um, and uh, other search engines like Lightning, we'll throw them in there, even though they're smaller, that makes up 80% of the search activity around your brand. So everything after that is just, you know, more um, long tail search. So something very, very specific. So you might want to be listing on, you know, uh, like I mentioned Care, I mentioned Care Dash. Um, those are places where people are, you know, maybe sharing information or will come up in a search, any search that includes those key terms. Um, yellowpages.com, you know, I, I remember years ago, uh, I was working with an attorney who was like, you know, do I invest in AdWords or do I invest in yellow pages? And what I said was, you know, put it out on, on Google because that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. But at the same time, you want to make sure that your presence on Yellow Pages is good because that's going to be one of the results that comes up there. And so, um, you know, what we do, we send it out everywhere. 
so that even if it's a site that's not really that relevant and might come up in one out of, let's say, 5,000 searches, you're at least going to have the information reflected. And the other thing that all of these listing sites do is they become sources of confirmation. So if you have a phone number, let's say, that is one number different on Google versus, um, you know, Caradash or um, Yellow Pages, those differences are going to be um, uh, recognized by, by Google's search algorithm. And Google's not really going to know is, which is the correct one. And so it might show different things. It might rank things differently. And until you can get that phone number to be the same, you're not going to have a consistent uh, set of results on that page. And you want to own all of it. You want to own, it's, we refer to this as off-site SEO. You've got the, the really good keywords and the content on your own website, your on-site SEO. But then you need all of these other business listing sites to drive off-site SEO so that when there is a, an organic search, you're still owning all of those results. And so um, you know, the reason we talk about Google so much is because it is truly the most important. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're ignoring all of the other smaller sites out there that, uh, that could potentially show up in those search results. Excellent. Yeah. We talked about set it and forget it and how we, you know, obviously you can't do that. It's not good. We need to be continually soliciting reviews and ratings and things like that. How can communities encourage people to submit ratings and reviews? I mean, should they be encouraging these? How should they be doing that? What are the, what are the types of things that you would encourage communities to think about to get people to submit ratings and reviews? We hear a lot uh, these days, and whether it's uh, and I I remember years ago when I was meeting with with Google um, to talk about advertising, and they referred to this term as moments that matter. And now I hear it in uh, in all of the advertisers. I, I heard a commercial recently for car insurance, and they were talking about moments that matter, and and it's such a simple concept, but but when you think about the senior uh, care experience there are multiple moments that will matter in that consumer experience. And, uh, you know, things like what was their initial visit like? And we request feedback then. What did their uh, caregiver think of the uh, move-in process or the check-in process? Or, um, you know, maybe they, they uh, attended an event at the facility that was um, an open house or something feedback there, uh, collecting feedback when there is some sort of significant event, like maybe they, they started a new rehab program. And we want to make sure that the um, uh, uh, physical therapist is, is doing a great job. We're requesting feedback at that moment. Um, the, the discharge process, you know, if you're in a, a facility where, you know, you come in, do some physical therapy, and then the individual moves on, you want to make sure that you capture that before they are out of the facility. And, um, and then for long-term facilities, even your know, memory care, that can be a little bit of a challenge, um, but working with their family members to understand you know, what that feedback is. And in most senior living facilities, what I'm seeing now is that they have adopted a CRM. And, you know, even if it's something very basic that they are using that CRM to track these uh, particular experience moments 
And so you can build in triggers to automatically request that feedback. And we use a term internally called feedback anywhere. And really that's what it is. It's, it's about getting feedback anywhere. And uh, a quick text message to an individual to ask them to share their thoughts. Um, one of the things that we can do is not just have that survey result come into your dashboard, but then the next question is, thank you so much for that feedback. Can we post this to Google for you? And then we open up a screen and you're then in your Google account, and then what you just shared gets uh, gets shared to to Google as well. And if there's a little bit of fear around this, a lot of times when we start to work with clients, off, you know, initially, and the fear comes from, well, what if they say something bad about us? We don't want to enable them to go out and and post something negative. And what we say to that is that. In 100% of cases, and I, I feel very confident saying that because it, it has been 100% of all our, our clients that we've worked with, when they turn on review requesting, their overall sentiment goes up. And the reason is that the people who had a bad experience, the ones who are angry and, um, and they want to see you know, some sort of retribution for that, they're going to find a way to, to get that out there. They're going to post it to Google. They're going to go on Facebook. They're going to make comments. Those individuals are going to act no matter what. But the ones who had a, a good experience, either exceedingly positive or maybe just a, you know, a, a good experience, you know, just sort of satisfactory, they're not going to think to go out of their way to say, yeah, good job. I like, I like my, you know, my mom's got a great physical therapist. My dad loves the, the activities that they've been putting on. They're not going to think to do that unless you ask. And so by asking for that feedback, you're going to get a whole lot more uh, of the positive feedback. And you're going to get a statistically significant representation of what that experience is. And I liken it to, um, there was a, a conversation we had with a client a while back where we had this facility and they knew that the staff was so wonderful. This staff took, um, took the care to heart. And, and this was, you know, it was really important to them to, to provide a wonderful experience. And unfortunately, they only had like three reviews on, on their Google profile. And so even though they were doing these surveys internally and scoring, you know, like five stars across the board, there were these three reviews and two of them were negative. So it averaged out their star rating. And I think it was like a 2.5 on Google, which is, it's not ideal. And they just kept saying, you know, we're afraid that that'll get worse once we start asking it. And we said, no, it's going to get better. And within um, a, a matter of, of weeks, they had uh, improved their overall star average to like a 4.5 or something like that. I mean, it was very, very high. And it was all because they just started asking. And, um, and you, the other thing that people think is, well, I'm only going to ask the people that I know had a positive experience. Or, or um, there used to be this thing that, that companies would do. It was called um, review gating, where they'd first ask you, did you have a good experience or bad experience? And if they said, bad they'd say okay thanks bye uh if it was good they'd say oh great give us a review here and that is not at all 
the way to do this. That is not what we, what we do. Um, and, you know, we don't want that to be the case because we want a really transparent experience of the brand. And by not getting all of that feedback, number one, you're not going to be able to improve because you don't know what the negative comments are. But number two, you're not going to be seen as, as uh, a company that is transparent or has integrity. I mean, you want to be able to show that, um, that this is real. And if that means that there's a couple of negative comments that, that come through, well, those are things that you're going to need to address and respond to. But they're not things that we, that we need to censor or, or get removed. You know, the only way to, to hide a negative comment no matter how powerful you are, uh, is to is to just get more positive comments, and that's what what we tell people all the time is don't worry about that one negative one, uh, whether it's true or not. Don't worry about that one. Just get more of the positive stuff, and that negative one isn't going to be seen by very many people. Yeah, so it sounds like you can't remove negative comments. So I want to I want to ask that question just to just to clarify that. Are there any platforms where you can remove negative comments or ask for them to be removed, or is your or is your approach just to get more positive comments so it in effect buries that negative comment? Yeah, so you know, it goes back to the 80-20 principle of you know, you want to solve for the 80% and try not to worry about the 20. And in reality, it's probably more like one percent. Um, every once in a while there will be a review that comes through and it's you know, maybe it's really abusive to the to the staff. Maybe they've they've used profanity or um, you know, something, they've said something discriminatory or, and you know, when those, when those come up, you know, that those are, that's not a real review. Um, and it's not legitimate and it's, and it's, um, you know, it's not a, a true uh, attempt to provide feedback. It's just, uh, trolling, you know, it's just instigating. And so in those cases, you can flag a review you can do that in most platforms. Um, in fact, there are, I, I can't think of a single one where you don't have the option of, of flagging it. Now it's up to that platform to review that and then determine, is this a violation of our terms of service? And, you know, some, some platforms allow more than others. I mean, um, in, uh, in Google's case, they had a, um, a time at the very beginning of the pandemic where there were a few reviews coming through for businesses where people were posting things like, um, you know, I, I, I caught COVID because I ate at this restaurant or, you know, just things that were not, not appropriate and, and, you know, could have been viewed as um, inflammatory or accusatory. And the problem there is that, now, all of a sudden, with all of this content that's coming in, everything that gets flagged has to be manually reviewed by Google. And Google said, you know what? We're in a crisis mode right now, just, you know, just like you are. Let's put a pause on this. Let's figure out what the situation is. And, um, and let's not do reviews for a while. And they did. They put a pause on reviews. There were several weeks where businesses could not, um, could not see reviews could not consumers could not post reviews and then businesses couldn't respond to anything and so um you know that was a learning experience for us how do we support our clients when you know that's a really important way that they get uh new business even 
you know, even when business is slow, they need to get that, you know, they need to have that presence there. And we didn't see that it impacted reputation score very much. But what it did was it gave us um, a, a pause to, to think about how do we react to you know, feedback that might be negative or inflammatory. And the, and the best thing to do is to ignore what you can, flag anything that you can't ignore. And if it doesn't get removed, you have to live with it and just focus on what's in front of you and what's next. There have only been a few cases that I can think of where something was truly damaging to a brand and it had to do with, you know, very rare cases of things like, you know, an individual stalking a, a, a staff member, stuff like that. We just don't see that um, very much. And so try not to focus so much on the, on, on the, the, the few people that are maybe unhappy and, and try to get more happy people out there. Yeah. Spend your time focusing on those positive reviews. That's great. Great input. Um, Good life advice too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I know, especially right now, you know, I think, um, you know, it seems like the mood, I know we've got you know presidential election coming up. We're recording this in September. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on with, um, you know, racial injustice and all kinds of things around the world. And um, it just seems like focusing on the positive is great life advice. Um, just one other question for you. Who should we really focus on soliciting those ratings and reviews from? Should it be the residents? Should it be the family members? Um, who should we be talking to there? Yes to that. You know, everyone, everyone who has a say in that, in that decision-making process. And what we're seeing is more and more that is the the family. You know, they're, they're sort of rallying around that that loved one to uh, help them with that transition, and also staff. You know, a lot of times businesses uh, sort of overlook the employee ambassador role and the impact that those employees can have. You know, as a as a proud staff member who is serving my um, my residents and and caring for people. I mean, even something as simple as as uh, uh, the person who comes in to do the activities uh, once a week. You know, think about all of the people that come in to make that that environment a success. They're invested in that, and they care about it. It it um, being a good experience for those who who are having that experience, and so they would be great to request reviews from. A lot of times, we see that. Uh, that there are individuals who you'd think uh, are just sort of there and maybe don't get the visibility. Like, you know, I mentioned a physical therapist because that's, you know, that's a, that's kind of a really important job. And um, we sometimes overlook people like the, um, the environmental services team. I mean, especially during this, this pandemic, we have realized how critical they are and what a difference they make in the lives of, of the people living there. I mean, without them, there would be no way we could, we could uh, operate. And they are being asked to do so much right now above and beyond and anything we can do to even take care of them. I mean, you know, maybe it's not a review request. Maybe it's just asking them for feedback, ask them how they're doing, do a survey. Do they feel safe at work? Do they have the PPE that they need? Uh, Is there anything that we can do as an employer to, to support them? And, you know, that's going to, that's going to pay off down the road when you, when you think about, um, you know, where we came from, this is going to bring a lot of people together and they're going to feel a lot of things 
about your brand and you want those to be positive things that they feel about your brand. And, um, and the best way to do that is by asking them. So yes to the residents, yes to the family members, the caregivers. We've talked a lot about that, but also the employees and, you know, everyone who has a, a, a part in that. Excellent. Well, Andy, this has been great information. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend some time with us. Uh, here on the podcast, if if people want to get in touch with you to ask questions or they have questions about your platform, what's the best way for them to do that? I'll give you two uh, options here. One is just to visit our website, reputation.com. We've got a, a form there. You can request a demo and, you know, just uh, fill that out and we'll we'll get on, on with you and, and walk you through it. The other is you can email me directly. Um, it's you know, there's a lot of extra letters here. So be ready. It's A-H-A-A-R-M-A-N-N at reputation.com. So uh, I'll, I'll take an email, LinkedIn request, you know, um, always, I'm always on LinkedIn. I'll probably share a link to this podcast on LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to reach out to me there as well. And with that, we wrap up today's episode of the Senior Care Growth Show, where sales and marketing leaders go to grow. I'll remind you that at SeniorCareGrowth.com, we have plenty of resources for marketing and sales leaders, including a blog, a video version of this podcast, and other information as well. At SeniorCareGrowth.com, you will also find our latest state of sales and marketing research report. You'll also find some information there about digital marketing services that we offer. And I would invite you to go there to learn a little bit more about us if you're unfamiliar. Also, it would be most appreciated if you would rate our podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening to our podcast. Ratings help us promote our content to others that may find it useful, so we appreciate your rating. If I can be helpful to you, my name is Rick Whittington, and you can find me at SeniorCareGrowth.com. Until next time, I hope you're safe and well, and have a great day.